Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. My intro is supposed to be playing, but I don't know what's going on. But that's all right. It'll come on and we'll be okay. Welcome to the Cocoa Express Show Network. There you go. Welcome to the Cocoa Express Network. Talk radio that informs. Talk radio that inspires. Talk radio that enlightens. Talk radio for us all. There you go, everybody. Hi, I am Aurelia, and I am your host for this evening, February 10th, 2016. Today, we are going to have a really interesting show. We're going to have a woman on the show who I really believe that I can connect with 100%. Her name is C.R. Capers. She's a director, producer, writer, activist, mom, and she also is really, really, really involved in community volunteerism and activism as well. And um, I have to say, you know, what's really interesting is that she also has a very popular popular radio show and podcast called Why You Mad Son. And I understand and I get who she is based on what I've read, but I want us to get to know who she is based on what she says, because it's very important to hear it from them than to hear it from me, because I can only introduce, they can tell you their full story. So please allow me to introduce to you C.R. Capers. Hello. How are you? Hi. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic after that awesome introduction. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on the show. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Are you kidding me? I am on it myself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we have a lot of similarities. We share a lot of things in common. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like everything that you're doing and you're involved in and the things that you've created. And I can tell you have a very creative nature. Um, Tell us about who you were as as a young child. Oh, I was a very studious young child. I teased a lot. Um, I, uh, you know, kept to myself quite a bit, had uh, two best friends. One of them I've kept in my entire lifetime uh, since second grade to this day, uh, my BFFD. Um, but I read a lot. I imagined a lot. I dreamed a lot. I fantasized a lot. My dad gave me, um, my dad uh, gave me this huge Barbie dream house, and that was like uh, my fantasy land. And my mom kept me abreast of the latest in technology. I was in coding class before coding people even knew what coding class was. So uh, they really, my parents really fed my mind and allowed uh, me to grow in that way. I was a middle, I, you know, I'm a middle child, so my sister was the beautiful, popular one. My brother, you know, she was also an athlete. I was a smart one. And then my brother, he was the boy, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. I understand. So that, that led to a lot of um, seriousness and uh, a lot of reflection, a lot of imaginative play. 
it also, my mom also, I was the one that my mom took to uh, all her business meetings. So I learned about business very early on. I was always going to work with my mother. Whenever she had to do overtime on Saturday, she worked with a bank. And she also owned several businesses. She was very active in the community. And I was her tag-along. So I learned a lot, and she fostered that in me, like her father did before her. So it was just a natural progression. Okay, that's that's excellent. Now, Okay, I understand that you went to, let's see, SUNY, no, Baruch College, which is uh, right. part of CUNY. That's part of CUNY, and um, right. Flatsburg is part of SUNY, correct? Correct. And okay. great, absolutely great experiences. Um, I studied broadcast journalism. Great experiences, met friends that last a lifetime. Um, if anyone's familiar with the SUNY system, you know that once you go upstate to these, like, very far-off places way up north, you uh, basically get into a, a bit of a uh, culture shock where you are 1% of the campus, meaning you're, like, it's only, you're the only black person in a class of, let's say, 50 to 60 students. So it was very interesting. And, you know, the, the bonds that were formed there, it's like being in war almost. Like to this day, you know, all these years later, we still are very much involved in each other's lives. So I've been very lucky in those aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if anything my college experience taught me is those interrelationships culturally, how we bond, how those bonds tie, and why they last, as opposed to friends of mine who've gone to H you know, historically black, black universities. It's a difference. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because my sister went to uh, HBCU and I went to um, my first tryout, I'll call it. I went to, (laughs) (laughs) I went to Notre Dame. Ah, There you have it. Yeah. Yes. No need to go. No, don't look any further. No need to step any further. I know exactly what you mean. Yes. So when we came home, guess what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so I do understand. Now, when you were, um, once you transitioned out of college, how did you, how did you plan your career? How, what did you decide that you were going to do? Well, I didn't. It was pretty much up in the air. I always knew I wanted to write. Um, I was very much into journalism, telling stories, still in that vein. Um, I took a job working collections because, you know, journalism doesn't pay that much. It's a, it's one of the most non-paying jobs you could have, especially if you're black, back at, at you know, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, if you weren't already connected and put into networks like uh, EOT, MTV or BET or those types of networks where it was cool to have a young black person, you know, doing news or BS segments and things like that, then maybe. But the stuff I wanted to do, there was no, there was no getting a job for, <laughs> for me. And if you're <laughs> you talking know, in the 90s, no that's when, job. yeah, and if you're talking in the 90s, that's when, the there was like a freeze on everything in the media industry yes. around that time. Yes, yes, yes. I got offered one internship for with uh, I believe Good Day New York Fox when they were down like on 68th Street, in the Fox Building. And mm-hmm. uh, but the they wanted me to work as an intern, but the hours that they wanted me to work were preposterous. And by that time, I'd also gotten a job to pay the bills, while I tried to also pursue my journalism. 
Mm-hmm. And so I had to turn down Fox because I needed to keep my <laughs> my lights on. So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I just look back on and go, huh, yeah, maybe I could have taken an internship, but I don't think I would have been where I am right now. Had mm-hmm. I, but who knows? Who knows? I would have, you know, I'm an opportunist at points, so I probably would have taken over the station. <laughs> or got kicked out for trying to take over the station. Either way, it would have been a, it would have been a, a mutiny. At some mm-hmm. point, <laughs> but that was a but that particular era was a really difficult time in the '90s in the media yeah. industry because I I know that there were a lot of grassroots organizations like Women in Film. Um, yes, and I, I belong the, to Women in Film. Yeah. Okay. I, and I yeah. think they are the ones that got me the internship at Fox, actually. Okay, and then you had BFF, the Black Filmmakers Foundation. Then you had mm-hmm. American Women in Radio and Television. Um, these were all right. organizations that were out there for, but for us. you were only but they yeah, get right. <laughs> you were only there to network and meet people. Yeah. There, the opportunities mm-hmm. were slim pickings. Right, and the people who were the gatekeepers for those opportunities held on to those opportunities, and you basically had to do a song and a dance to even get an audience with them to even be yes. considered to be thrown yes. alone too. And then yes. you had to look a certain yes. way. You would have had to have gone to certain school and then you would have had yes. to be in a certain sorority. So it was yes. a lot it, that spoke against my spirit. So I never really went that route. I went to a couple of organizational stuff, but it just seemed very clickish and just mm-hmm. not my cup of tea. Yeah, like I said, I understand. I remember sitting in the executive producer's office for channel NBC Mm -hmm. and she's sizing me up and I'm like okay and we're talking 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 and I'll keep you in mind I'll keep you in mind and then I got a letter in the mail (laughs) (laughs) what like no thank like no thank you yeah I I mean it's it's funny how these the past experiences, you know, how you learn the industry, and it either mm-hmm. breaks you or it makes you. You either sink or you swim. It depends on your resolve. I have many mm-hmm. friends who were just so discouraged by what they were told. Same things I was told, you're too black to be on TV. Nobody cares about that issue. You know, talk about, you know, fluff stuff. Nobody, don't talk about that. You'll get in trouble. You know, nobody wants to hear about, you know, uh, fluoride in the water things that actually matter to me, no one wanted mm-hmm. to do. And things that matter to my friends, no one wanted to do. And it broke some of them. It broke them, you know, and now they're like, you know, I wish I could have did this, that, and the third. So it's it's one of those things. You either sink or you swim. It, it really lets you know the test of your character, how you mm-hmm. face adversity and negativity. Okay, and how did you face it and how did you move forward from all of that? Because that is something that, you know, you should share because, as you said, you had a lot of friends who couldn't handle, you know, the Mm -hmm. the hot water and they went where the water was cool. Right. I got mad. Uh, You know, being a a child who grew up in a very imaginative, imaginative state, you know, you get to be the hero of many stories, of your own stories and you craft mm-hmm. a response of your own. So I've always been chasing a certain goal for myself. Mm-hmm. I also I see myself 10 years in the future, and I'm always trying to catch up to that woman. So in my head, that woman 
would not let anything, you know, detract her. She would get mad. She would be like, you know what, I'll show you. Watch this. And that's how that goes. So, you know, after a while of imagining that and a total childhood of imagining that and being that, it just becomes a part of you know, the persona just became a part of me. So whenever I would come up against it, I would get mad. I had a guidance counselor tell me, you're too black. You'll never be on network news. You can forget it. Oh, mm. oh word, 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 that's how it was going. <laughs> you know, in my head. I'm mm-hmm. like, word, that's how it's going down. Like, really, really? Like, that's how it's going down, really? But, um, you know, to him I said, oh, okay. You know, but in my head I'm like, I'll show you. And it made me so angry that instead of trying to figure out a different way for us to tackle, and he's supposed to be my guidance counselor. Instead of figuring out a different way for us to tackle what my dream is, he tried to pigeonhole me, which made mm-hmm. me mad, which made me say, I'll show you, which led me to not be deterred and to push harder. So that's how I deal with it. I get mad. and But in mad in a way where it affects change as opposed to using things in a negative way. Exactly. Yes. No. You don't use destruct. You're you don't have destructive anger. You have um, the type of construct <laughs> constructive and yes, constructive anger is what you call it. Yes. Yes. And that's now, what, and you know that's what we even you know bring it fast forward to now. That's what I encourage people to do when they're faced with adversity or told they can't be something, do something that they mm-hmm. believe in their spirit that they want to do. Get mad, show them that you can do it. That's that's it. Now, you have yourself in all aspects of the the media, all mediums of media. You yes. are you are um you have your radio show and podcast. Mhm. You yes. have your films, you have yes. your web series, you have your yes. documentaries yes. and you also host the Hip Hop Film Festival. Now, how yeah. did you come up with that idea, and, and how did that get started? Well, uh, when I created the Hip Hop Film Festival, um, it started from getting mad. You know, I, my team and I, we, we worked hard putting together films, um, and I found that, you know, every time I go into a new industry, I find that, you know, there's something wrong with it that stops people who are really about the work, about the craft from getting in. I always find that, which makes, of course makes me mad. <laughs> and I got to find a way around it. So I preface that, I, I preface that because I wanted to say this. Uh, when we did our first couple of films, every film that comes out of my film house, MBS Films, we the proceeds go to grassroots organizations for charity. For instance, we work with an organization called Harlem Mother Saves, and these are a group of parents who lost their kids to gun violence. So we use our craft, we use our talent to create a product. We sell that product, and we give the money to the community to create programs to stop another violent end. So that's how it works. So now, of course, we want to garner more support and more, you know, for the film so they can make more money. So, okay, let's put it in the festivals. What do you mean the festival fee is $150? Uh, what am I getting for this $150? Y'all, you going to put a link up on a website or something? What do you mean no? What do you mean I have to know somebody in order to get into the festival? And the more I had backdoor conversations with people, the more I realized what a racket it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't like it. 
So I said, you know what? There are two, and then I have so many. I, I go, coming into that field, there were so many filmmakers with so much with great work. And then when you look at the media and you see how many repeats of the same story told about black people over and over and over and over and over again. If it's not Toby and the slave, it's the <laughs> gun, and it's uh, or or there's some girl on the train with two baby daddies. That's not our only story. We got science fiction, we got mysteries, we got hip hop, we got documentary. It is so much more to us, but only one narrative is being allowed to be told. And you would they you would believe that nobody's making movies that that predict us as. Orishas or, or, or super or African gods or telling mm-hmm. us true histories or anything, anything mystical, magical, whatever it is, love stories. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like these things have to be told. And when you realize that there's a plethora of directors who are just as talented as Scorsese, as Tarantino, as Spike, as all of these people, but they're never given a chance because they don't know these people and they don't have the complexion for the connection, you get mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's how the festival came about. I was okay. like, no, no, we, no. It's too many of us. It's time to change the narrative. Let's create mm-hmm. something where we can tell our stories and where we get financial support if you participate in it, as opposed to losing money to participate in something you'll never be a part of. I'm not going to mm-hmm. pay for you to exclude me. That's absolutely ridiculous. So that's how it started. Okay. And that's great because of the simple fact that you're absolutely correct. However, this is the cycle of history for, for us. Um right. We are, we are always, we've always been creating. We're, we're creative by nature. We've made the film. Uh, there are some films that were made back in the 20s and 30s that some of us will never see because of the simple fact that there was no place to show them. And if they were being shown, they were, they had to show them like in the corner, in the back, in the, in the in basement. The yeah. hmm so, you know, that made it difficult. And if you were caught watching these kinds of movies, you could be killed. Yeah. Plain yeah. and simple. And yeah. we're not too far from that now, but. Uh, <laughs> not, not at all. Not so, at all. you know, the fact that this exists and it's just the way that our history goes. It's nothing new under the sun. It's just a different way of projecting it. We're exactly. learning, we're learning, I believe that we're learning now how to work the system yes. and be in front of the eight ball and not behind it. Exactly. And there's sometimes where you have to circumvent the system altogether and create a, what I call, and what a friend taught me about, uh, a, what is called a blue ocean. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have got to get out of the regular sea that everybody else is in and you create a blue ocean and there possibilities, the possibilities are endless. Sometimes the only answer is to circumvent the system or tear it down completely and create an entire new space. That's what this festival seeks to do. Okay, excellent. And I know that the hip-hop community, the hip-hop culture has transformed from its infancy to adulthood and the adult is completely different than the child was. And 
And it, the generations, I can say, of the hip hop community have branched out into so many different ways. As I was looking through um, the different magazines, just to get an idea of you know what's out there now, there's mm-hmm. so many different magazines. Just like you have different genres of music, you have different genres of hit of hip hop. Yes, and yes. it is it is amazing. And my thing is, people who are of a certain generation. They have a, I hear this all the time. I don't like that music. I don't understand what they're saying. <laughs> if you, and I say, if you take the time to really listen, it's no different than the African drums. Exactly. You know, exactly. and exactly. it, you know, and it's just, it's just redeveloped and refined itself, redefined itself into what it is now. But it's the same story being told in the same manner, just using different different types of creativity to do it. Right, exactly. So hip-hop is definitely, has transcended. It is, it has transcended. It is, it's gone beyond race, culture, creed, religion. As you said, we're looking at it in not only in music, beats and rhymes, we're looking at it in film, fashion, um, anything you can think of. Film, fashion, it's a complete lifestyle brand. In doing this festival, we have received submissions literally from all over the world. I'm talking about I have submissions from South Africa, Cambodia, Cambodia of all Mm -hmm. places. Iran, Pakistan, this is how far hip-hop reaches. And these are solid filmmakers who grew up with a true love of the culture. When we say that the Hip-Hop Film Festival is not just for hip-hop films, we mean that. You don't, it doesn't have to have, like, rap or be out of rap or anything like that. It has to be produced, curated, written, directed by someone who is a lover of the culture itself. Mm-hmm. And be, I, we say that because... Someone who loves the culture of hip-hop, they have a way of telling a story that is like no other. We just have a certain flavor in the way we do things. Mm-hmm. Hip-hop is yeah. also the fountain of youth. I mean, you got your old school, you got your new school. Right? Yeah. You say, like, you know, the people that grew up in the Motown era, they move different. They got it. They still got it. But they move different from <laughs> somebody that grew Two up step. in the beginning of hip-hop who's 60 years old. You understand? You put on mm-hmm. a break beat and it's a rap. You put on the Temptations and they hold and they back like, oh, you know what I'm saying? It's something different about mm-hmm. those of us who grew up in the culture. And that transcends into how to tell stories regardless of where on the earth we are. And it also forces a true love of humanity and a true love for the for black culture because make no mistake about it, it is founded, created by black people. Black Americans. That is a black. That is something. Hip hop is unique to it is something unique to Black Americans. It was created, founded, hardened, molded by Black Americans, the sons and daughters of those brought here through the slave trade, whose history mm-hmm. didn't start with slavery but was interrupted by it. So it, it's a testament to what we can do as Black Americans just a couple of centuries old as opposed to something that's coming out from ancestries of other people that have been here for hundreds and thousands of years. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes. It's, it's, it's a testament. It's, a, it's definitely a testament to the power, our power, our strength, our intellect, and our ability to touch everyone. Hip-hop is universal. Yes, and the beauty of it is it allows you to see that there's more to the, to the story than what's on the surface. And that's what hip-hop is. Hip-hop is saying simply there's more to the story than what's on the surface. We're telling you there's more to the story than what's on the surface. Exactly. Yes, and it's just amazing. Now, okay, you have the um, Hip Hop Film Festival and you have MBS Films. Now, exactly what does MBS Films, what do they, what do you do with MBS Films? MBS Films, what we do is uh, we create film, documentaries, shorts. I uh, direct, produce, or I hire directors and producers to work on projects with uh, community activism in mind. Mm-hmm. So every every project we put out, whether it's a comedy or a documentary, it has social activism at its core. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's basically, you know, that's basically what we do. We sell it to our network, straight mm-hmm. through our distribution arm, straight to consumer through video on demand streaming services, and we've been doing pretty well with it. So we've okay. been able to circumvent a lot of the traditional methods of film mm-hmm. distribution where we don't have to ask Mr. Cans or Mr. Tribeca to please let us into your festival. We have a great film. We don't have to do that. We already have a legion of followers through Why You Madison and they love what we do. Okay. So we have a built in we have built in demographic, built in fan base, built in consumer base. But even in that we have a responsibility to bring them quality work. Okay. 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 Now, you have a web series, Man on the Street. What's that about? Well, Man on the Street is a series that we did way back. Uh, I think we started that in 2011. And uh, we, we closed off in probably about 2013 or so. But Mad on the Street was, um, <laughs> you just basically, uh, we, we set up shop somewhere in the city. And it's kind of sort of like your your regular, you know, man on the street. But we, of course, we put mad on the street, M-A-D. And we asked mm-hmm. people why they were mad. And the 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 crazy thing is, is that people, once you ask them what they were mad about, some of them, I'm not mad about anything. Well, you know, just tell us anything you're mad about, you know. Something that, you know, grinds gears or what happened, news or something. And when they would begin to talk, you know, to talk about things, the majority of people, and we've done we did hundreds of people, with something about social justice, social issues, something mm-hmm. like social humanity. We thought, I thought that was very interesting. We thought about bringing it back um, maybe this season, but we got so busy mm-hmm. with the festival. <laughs> that mm-hmm. Okay. It's definitely, it's definitely in consideration to bring back again. Okay, that's interesting. And it's funny that you would say that, you know, there are a lot of people that are walking around that because they don't feel like they have a voice. So exactly. if no one hears you, then and what do you do with it? Phone in front of them, you know, people just can't shut up. And I know that's oh, what yes. to me. The first time I got on the radio, I was like, oh, two-hour shows. 
you know, it was my my my, my crew was like, Shaw, we we got to go to work in the morning, boo, you do too. I'm like, I don't care about your plantation white man work. We got to tell them why we bad, son. And they were like, all right, shit, calm down. But once you get all that angst out of you and it gets more formulated and and centered, you know, you're able to relate it in a a more timely fashion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so it's worked out. It's worked out. Okay. And you also did a documentary. um, You did more than one documentary, but you did one on the New York City Housing Authority. Interesting. Yeah, that one is is actually in pre-production. We mm-hmm. are. It, that's that's the one that's taking. That's that uh, that. Um, what do you call that? That's the um, crowning jewel. Let's say because that's the one that is is taking years to complete. There's a lot of research. Um, growing up in New York City, uh, we're surrounded by what we call the housing projects. New York City mm-hmm. Housing Authority. Notorious. Mm-hmm. Gener- mm-hmm. We're about generational generational poverty. We're talking about people who have lived in the same building, in the same project, apartment, for generations. Yes. Things that we can't understand. And not because there was wealth to pass them, like how your daddy got a castle, and now you the queen, <laughs> so you go to No. It's like your mama was on welfare, and there was no opportunity. So any of her kids, guess what? It's no opportunity for them as well. Just like wealth gets passed on, poverty gets passed on. So being so being able to bring that documentary to light is one of my um is one of my passions, is one of my goals and I'm taking my sweet time with it because when mm-hmm. it when it drops, um I'm probably gonna have to go in the hiding after that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm making sure everything is done before that happens. So, it's but, funny, um, will there yeah. be any any projects when this is done? Because based on what I understand, um in New York, they're getting rid of a lot of the housing projects and pushing those people somewhere. Right, and that's the interesting thing. They're rezoning. They're 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 doing all types of tricks, and then to try to get over, they're saying, "Okay, we'll allocate these many uh, units for uh, lower income. Give them a complete, but they give them a there's only like maybe ten of those apartments. You just displaced five hundred families." old building that you just kick them out of that you'll give back to the community and then you have and then you make them go through a servant entrance on the other side they can't use the, the amenities in the building they can't mix, mix with the white witch book and it is appalling what is going on it really is really i left in time huh <laughs> yes yes I'm like wow yes. Okay. It really takes a, it really takes fortitude, gumption, and a get mad spirit to break free from that cycle of you know the projects. I mean, the projects are what they are projects. They weren't meant yeah. to be there forever, yeah. and they yeah. weren't necessarily meant to house just black folk. No, they you know? didn't house just black folks initially, and what happened was. Um, I guess you can say back in the early 70s, they came up with this this plan. You know, somebody's always planning something. A yeah. great idea. A great idea. And yeah. initially in the, pro- in the housing projects, you had a lot of um, mixed, you know, immigrants that came in and they lived yeah. in the housing projects. And right. once they moved out, then the, the people of color moved in. And they, but they never really 
how those immigrants got to move out. They were given loans. They opened stores. They mm-hmm. opened businesses. Their neighborhoods weren't burnt down because one of their one of the uh, young men looked sideways at a white girl. There were a lot of things that were going on that were allowed a lot of opportunities that were allowed to the Irish. They were allowed to have middle class jobs. They were hired policemen to open up for them. You know, these same opportunities mm-hmm. were not afforded to Black folk. We were kept in a subservient, disenfranchised position. And then if there was any hope to move out and go somewhere where it was prosperous, every time we got a little prosperity in a black enclave, in a black community, it was bombed, ripped apart, riots, everybody lynched. And normally, and I'm not saying this because I'm anti-white, I'm not anti-white, I'm pro-black, that does not mean anti-white, but it's just history. It's always behind uh you know, some dealing with something happened with a white woman. So you want to take, you want to, you got to take a really hard, solid look at history because it's being rewritten right in front of our faces. And when you try to think about everything that it takes to try to break free of these chains, break free of, you know, the disenfranchisement, break out of the projects, not even of where you live, but the project of your mind, it takes a lot of resilience mm-hmm. to break the cycle of generational poverty. And then mm-hmm. when you've got your brothers who, once they've made it, you know, there's a lot of people that have a problem with, let's say, interracial dating simply because they understand the history of this country and what led to the downfall of black towns financially. What little incidents? were used to cause an entire village to be bombed. Or burned down. Or, or burned down. Or people run off. Or just mm-hmm. erased or rezoned. A lot of people don't know that here in New York City, Central Park was a black town. Yes. Filled with houses, schools, all of that. And they tore it down. Wiped off the map. Tore down yeah, the they tore it down to put a park in. Everything up mm-hmm. park, yeah. but you had a bustling economy of just black people. Took it away from them, stuck them in projects, and took away every opportunity that they could have and gave them just a little bit, just a little bit, so they would start to fight amongst themselves in rats. Projects are built like rat traps. Yes, my grandmother, she and used to have the saying that, because, uh, you know, when we were younger, they were going to tear down the beautiful building that we lived it was a beautiful building we lived in mm-hmm. and they were going to put up projects and they were giving everyone who lived in the buildings on that block the opportunity to move in the projects and she just kept saying that no human being is supposed to live on top of another human being like that no you're not supposed to live in a rat trap and not only do they put you in a rat trap but they only sprinkle some cheese dust in there and then the rats go crazy <laughs> so now you got everybody killing each other, and then you turn, bring the news into the neighborhood and say, "Oh, look at these rats! Look at them! They killing each other! All oh, the black on black crime! When will it end? Cause the situation. They burnt down your village. They, they burnt down the, the the village. You understand? They took away your 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 economics, your camaraderie, your neighborhood feeling." You're leaning on each other. They put you in a mouse trap, sprinkle some cheese powder on you, and of course you're going to fight. That's human nature. 
It's human mm-hmm. nature. Then they broadcast, they, when that's done, they bring in the cameras and broadcast to the world that that is who you are. A rat that will bite another rat's neck for some cheese powder. So now we have generations of generations and generations of people who are believing this narrative. So now when you come out with a web series like Money and Violence, it hits the top of the charts. Because why? Because that's what we have been conditioned to believe about ourselves constantly. That's why when a movie like Love Jones came out, people didn't know what to do. <laughs> like, oh, I want that. Who that? What are you talking about? You got examples of black love everywhere. Yeah. Sometimes when yeah. they sprinkled that powder, you know what we did. We collected the powder, put some water in it, thinned it out, put some stuff in it, and made enough for everybody when we could. Black love is everywhere, but they make mm-hmm. you think that it's not. And that's yeah. why these these movies, these images, how we even how we see ourselves and how the world sees us is very important. We have to be able to begin to control the narrative. Mm-hmm. And that's where you come in, and that's why you have all these these different. You, you have your hands in many different pies, and that yes. and that's good. That allows that allows you the opportunity to have some control over what you believe should be done. Now, exactly. when you you have a whole bunch of people coming behind you, there's a generation coming behind you and a generation coming behind them. They need direction. They need help. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to them? Focus on legacy. I have a daughter. She is 12. She is the joy, light, sunshine. She's everything to me. She is the reason why I get up in the morning. She's what I do when I go. What And the main question you know, I had when I had her was, you know, when I'm gone, what do I leave her? You know, what 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 legacy will she have? Will she be able to look back and be like, yeah, you know, this is what I come from. This is what I, I have my, this is in my DNA. This is who I am. I saw my mother do it. I heard tell of her mother before her and her father before her. So it's, it's about legacy. So if you mm-hmm. think in that vein, everything you do will be righteous because you want the best for yours. You want the best for your legacy. You want the best for whatever you beget. You want them to beget greater. Well, the main thing I tell my daughter is don't you ever work for anyone ever in your life. Now, you can – I understand ends justifying the means. You want to do internship, all that other stuff. But don't you dare ever put yourself in a position where you have to ask someone to take a vacation, to go to the doctor, to go to the bathroom. I have to teach her and let her understand that, yes, you have to work, but that's what it takes to be free. There's nothing more dehumanizing than having to ask someone if I can take time off to go and have my child, if I can take time off to go make sure that she's okay, take her to the doctor. Or even to attend the game. Or even to be there when she wake up. That is the most horrible thing that you can have to do as a human being. I want better for her. So what do I do? I teach her that, you know, this is the legacy that I'm going to give her is one where she does not have to perpetuate that cycle. That little project, she's going to, she's not, she has no knowledge of. And she's being trained in that art and that science now. Now, if she decides to do something else, 
then that's fine. But she'll always have the memory, dang, my mother always told me don't work for these damn people. Why? In the you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and eventually they should get it. Because my mother I, told me the same thing. Mm-hmm. I get it, and I, I understand wholeheartedly. Now, if people wanted to be able to find out more about the um, Hip Hop Film Fe- Hip Hop Film Festival, how can they find out more about that? Um, you just go to hiphopfilmfestivalnyc.com. All the information is there. Everything you need to know about the festival is there. Mm-hmm. And again, okay. com. Okay, and if they want to see more of your work that you've done already, where would they be able to find it if they don't know? Well, of course, they could start with the flagship show, which is whyyoumadson.com, all spelled out, whyyoumadson.com. And there you can hear me and my band of merry madmen wax poetic on all things to be mad about, but mainly in the vein of social issue, black lives matter, lives mattering. And taking and and making sure that we talk about ways and techniques and practical solutions so that we can have justice for ourselves as a community. So okay. that's uh, that's where you can find us. Whyumadison.com. If you're interested in the film division, mbsfilms.com. It stands for My Baby Smart, which is a is a accolade to my to my daughter Taylor. But it's mbsfilms.com. So that'll Get you covered on the whole spectrum. Whyumadson.com, Hip Hop Film Festival, NYC.com, and MBSFilms.com. Oh, great, great. I'm really glad we had this opportunity because you shed the light on a lot of issues. You made some really important points. You, you know, you drove home the simple fact that we have to be we have to be accountable for ourselves. We can't let someone else dictate what we should and shouldn't be doing, and we have to exactly. know our history. It's important to know your history so that you can move forward with confidence and knowingly. You know, those are important things. And I, I really appreciate this. I would love to have you back on because it seems like there's so much more that we could discuss. <laughs> I know. I know. I, my public is probably in the back going, you know, fan on the play, girl, shut up. What you doing? <laughs> you know, I tend to get so passionate. You know, because I'm an activist in everything I do. Mm-hmm. So I try, you know, I, when we first started talking about publicity, I'm like, you know, I'm so pro-black. I'm like, yeah, I'm like this would be lost. You know, but um, but I would love to. Anytime, you know, Monica gives a go-ahead. Okay. Yes, I will <laughs> I reach out to her. I would be happy. I would be happy to. But you, and are, it was, you are definitely have to come on our show. You definitely have to come on Why You Mad, son, and we can just be mad for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> I would love that. Yes. I, yes. I thank you for this opportunity, and like I said, I would love to have you back again. Uh, I'll speak to Monica and see. I want to thank Monica for you know putting this whole um, opportunity together. Had it not been for her, yes. we we wouldn't be having this chat. And I, you know, I wish you all the best. And I'm gonna keep my ears and eyes out. And if I know anyone who's interested in the film festival, I will really let them know who you are, where you are, and what you're doing so that, you know, you can have as, you know, even more exposure. That would be absolutely fantastic. And I great. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I really do. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely keep you updated on everything that's happening. 
Okay, great. That would be great. So you have a good night, and I will definitely, definitely, definitely speak with you soon. Okay, will do. Good night, okay. and thanks again for having me. You're welcome. So to all my listeners, that was the amazing, talented, intelligent, and very, very determined CR Capers. Now, you know, I I say it often. I think I said it last year a million times. You have to be true to yourself. You have to follow your dreams. You can't follow anybody else's dreams because what their direction and what their journey is is going to be different from yours. Can't let them talk you out of stuff because it's not going to work either because you have to listen to your heart. You have to go what works. But there are also some other components that you have to keep in mind. You have to take care of yourself. That means eating right, getting rest, and doing the right things in the right way. And by all means, please remember to always give honor to God because without him, there'd be no you. And I'm just going to leave it right there. We have seen, well, we have heard a classic example of all these things put in place and how it looks. So this too can be you. So just pursue your dreams, love yourself, be good to yourself, and God bless. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. For more content, visit us at thecocoexpressshow.com 